What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the show entitled Rumble Young Man Rumble with me, your host, Vincent Olumal Kung Fadanipo, better known as Olu. On today's episode, I'm taking it solo. I'm going to be wrapping up 2022, talking about all the guests and currently what they're doing. Also on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the things that I'm going to be rolling out in 2023, bringing to the platform, entering the YouTube space, bringing video along with some of the audio and kind of taking it to that next level. Definitely saw a large impact in the first year, so I'm definitely excited for all the guests that will be on 2023. And once again, I appreciate you listening. Ladies and gentlemen, let's wrap up 2022. Millennium Panor Network. Rumble, young man, rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning back in. It's your humble and gracious host, Vincent Olumalkun Fadanipo, better known as Olu. And uh, today we are going to be experiencing something new. Um, something that I uh, have had on my mind for a while. And uh, tonight's going to be a solo episode. It's going to be a wrap up of pretty much what I took from all the episodes. Um, some things that I have planned for this year and then me just completely being honest about some of the things that are going on in life, ups, the downs, the in-betweens, the changes. So it's a jam-packed episode just to kind of dive into all things encompassing with the Rumble Young Man Rumble podcast, uh, myself, uh, things like that. So I hope everybody had a uh, wonderful holiday and... A uh, hell of a new year. I know we're all coming into this new year with, you know, some goals and different uh, resolutions uh, to kind of get things done a better way, get back on track, increase productivity, uh, become millionaires, thousandaires, whatever your goals are. And I hope that everybody's taking a diligent time to really look at and write down most of the things that, you know, they're trying to go after. And... You know, for me personally, I think that, you know, last year was really transformative in every aspect of my life, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I'll kind of get more into that and, you know, in the middle and the end of this episode. But let's start out with just, you know, wrapping up uh, the first season of Rumble Young Man Rumble, uh, which essentially is a podcast that promotes the entrepreneur, promotes the hustler promotes those stories that are in between. Um, Most of these people, you probably haven't heard of them on a large scale, but they're doing great work. And, you know, you want to network horizontally. Uh, That's a term that I took from uh, Scooter Braun when I met him in 2015. And uh, I think the number one thing I love with that conversation is just learning how to network horizontally. Because when you're working your way up and you get to the top, these people that essentially started the grind with you will be the ones that you reach out to for favors. It'd be the ones that you reach out to for advice, the ones that you reach out to just to confide in. Because, you know, sometimes it can be lonely at the top. I mean, that's what they say, right? Um, so let's start off with the first episode. The first episode was, was Osa. Um, Osa is a fitness entrepreneur, uh, now a real estate entrepreneur. Um, it's killing, killing everything, man. I think that this guy is... Uh, extremely passionate about being successful. Every time we talk, we end up going off on a tangent um, <laughs> just about figuring life out and being the best versions of ourselves, even challenging ourselves past, you know, 
ends that we've been to before. So I always appreciate those conversations. Um, and, you know, basically in that episode, we dived into like his discovery of entrepreneurship and how all that happened. Now he had to make extreme sacrifices in order to kickstart his business, um, you know, which a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable making. Right. Um, and it is a very vulnerable space. Right. To take a cushiony salary working as a company or whatnot and knowing that you don't have enough leg time and resources to go ahead and, you know, pour that into your business and support yourself at the same time, meaning you probably wouldn't be able to pay your rent. Uh, you probably wouldn't be able to, you know, have extracurricular activities and just everything that comes with a steady income, right? So in his episode, he talks about how he essentially had to move back home from L.A. to San Francisco. And, you know, that's, that's hard enough as it is right there. Um, being a kid that grew up in San Francisco, I can understand how tough that would be mentally and emotionally. Uh, you know, pretty much cutting your ties to this new life that you created yourself and moving back into the home that you grew up and escape certain circumstances and having to dive back into them, you know. Um, so kudos to him, man. I, I think that in that episode, what I really took from it was the necessary sacrifice will, will take you to the next level. And, I, you know, the, the more that I dive into the business world and um, the more that I uh, create different means of expression uh, within entrepreneurship, the more I realize that Time is of the essence, really, right? And I think that the reality is we get motivated and pumped up about a lot of things. And the most efficient way to go about doing anything is from A to B. And in order to do that, you have to have an extreme level of focus and dedication. And that means that you will have to sacrifice different avenues of your life that are taking away from you being the best version of yourself within this one thing. And I don't think that necessarily, you know, there are some entrepreneurs that are able to be serial entrepreneurs, right? But they're really skilled at delegating tasks and finding the top talent. And, you know, we'll also dive into some of the, uh, the recruiting world that I'm in now as well. Um, a year and a half in business by myself, I realized quickly, and then also having a kid um, and, and needing consistent income and feeling that it was a necessary step to take. You know, this year I end up taking a role with a uh, aerospace company by the name of Astronis, and uh, I work in the recruiting department as a technical sourcer. And I'm learning a ton about talent mapping, talent searching, uh, being able to essentially, you know, recruit electrical engineers, software engineers, you know, everything from the top down, really, when it comes to deep tech. And we're building satellites that essentially will bring the 4 billion people don't have quality access to the internet online. Um, so the mission's great. Uh, it's in San Francisco. Being born and raised here is awesome to be a part of a, a mission like that. And, you know, parts of me wish that I was doing well enough in business in order to pay myself. <laughs> but it always doesn't work like that, right? So 
I think that, you know, I am in the cookie jar and also baking cookies at the same time, but I'm learning a ton about multitasking. I'm learning a ton about uh, business integrity, business uh, honesty, um, and just really zoning into what I want the next chapter of my life to look like. Uh, but, you know, back to the uh, episode, uh, I, th- I think that right now uh, Osa is is blazing trail. Um, he just became a real estate agent. So if any of you guys are looking for uh, someone to represent you on your next real estate purchase, even though the market right now is kind of like uh, tight, we'll, we'll talk about more about that, too, at towards the end of the episode as well, um, my projections and kind of where things are going, where this podcast will probably be going in the next uh, three to six months, just talking about general things in the market. Um, But yeah, he's doing a real estate thing now. I think he sold uh, a couple of houses within his first year, which is great. Most real estate agents don't do any sales uh, within the first year. Uh, I actually caught up with him yesterday, um, said he was going to the Niners game and, you know, kind of chilling out and doing his thing. and I think when I replay that episode, I hear that was like the literally the first first episode. That was the first time I put the mics on. That was the first time I actually like learned how to use uh, this Zoom recorder, learned how to you know plug the cords in the correct way. So the fact that the volume and everything came through perfectly, and the way that we connected uh, in that episode, I think it was great. I think that was a perfect perfect launching episode because uh, within that space that he was talking about, uh, I've had to experience some of those things, right? And I think the the number one thing that I would share uh, about entrepreneurship is that, you know, it's not easy, right? Uh, But it is like simple. What I mean by that is, you know, you don't need to overcomplicate your processes. You don't need to overcomplicate how to hire people. You don't need to complicate how to structure your business all of these things all of these like frameworks are available to you uh by these successful companies via like crunchbase or you know things like reddit right just understanding what area and what you are trying to do is a very like simple thing um i think what becomes extremely difficult and which makes it not easy is that you have to make it through the times where you have to pivot. Now, this pivot can be controlled by many different factors depending whatever sector you're in. For me, in real estate, um, you know, doing the wholesale thing for about a year and a half, uh, well, two years now, th- there's different facets of like, okay, whatever market you're in, there's always constant pivots depending on like supply, depending on obviously demand, depending on interest rates, depending on macroeconomics in regards to just people's thinking, right? And I would guarantee this because I speak to sellers and buyers pretty much every day for the last two years. So I have a really good finger on the pulse in regards to just like where we're at with things. 90% of people, and you may be shocked, but 90% of people actually watch the news and believe it with all of their heart. And, you know, sometimes, you know, like right now in regards to like the real estate market, we're talking about a very low supply in general, right? Being from single family and multifamily, we're talking about an interest rate that will probably be somewhere in the eight point something uh, within the first quarter of this year. I'm talking about a 30 year fixed. 
um, which would then point to the asset prices coming down. I mean, because that's just what makes sense, right? Um, and things have ticked down a little bit, but you know, supply hasn't really entered the market how people are expecting it to, and we're running completely hot as a, a general economy. Like the central bank, uh, Jerome Powell is like, you know, doing the hot and, and uh, cool method, um, which is, you know, the only choice that we have. So it's either we st stop kicking the can down the road, raise interest rates break the labor market, essentially, and, you know, people just going to have to, <laughs> it's like college, you know, figure it out. You know, you got, I'm not saying this literally, but you guys remember when it was like, okay, you got 40 bucks for a week and a half, top ramen. <laughs> you already know what time it was. So the reality is I think that as a, as a country, we're in a space where things were going to get a little bit complicated. Um, and I think that a lot of people will not sit on the pot and shit. They're just going to get off and, you know, hey, it is what it is. Just like when COVID hit, you know, the reality was a lot of these companies really didn't have any real extended value, right? You know, a lot of people just got laid off just because there was no money coming in because it wasn't essential. So it, it kind of keys you back into like, you know, figuring out what you're trying to do um, and, you know, how you're going to progress within the next couple of years uh, in your life and, you know, how are you going to do everything? Um, so moving on, the second episode was with the boy, uh, Ari Simon. Uh, I think he is the, I think he's what, the vice president of project management at, uh, um, at Empire. Let me just look that up real quick because I want to make sure I get my dog's title right. Director of Marketing at Empire, um, and he's the management of an uh, amazing artist by the name of Rex Like Raj. Um, his music is dope. Uh, if you haven't listened to Rex Like Raj yet, definitely tune in because shit, shit is amazing, man. Um, but Ari's killing it, man. Uh, growing up with Ari uh, and playing basketball with him, uh, and it felt like you know I've been knowing him for a really long time. Uh, just because I feel like basketball took up probably like 60 to 70% of my life really, uh, to date. And, uh, what I can always remember about Ari is how much of a team player he always is. Um, like on the court, he was always that guy who was just like super hustling and was just knocking down threes. I mean, you can call him the, the current three and D guy. Uh, I think he'll be okay with that. Uh, but just always having a great attitude, dude. Like I've I've actually never seen him like really be in a shitty mood or angry. You know what I'm saying? So every time I see him, it's always love. And um, the podcast, we just pretty much talked about his journey and how he went from San Jose State, and you know, pretty much went guns blazing into the music industry, right? And in San Francisco at that time, we're talking what. 2012, 2013, I mean, obviously the back end of the hyphy movement and, uh, you know, some of the pillars, the E-40s, the, uh, the Mac Dre's, the Two Shorts and, you know, uh, JT, the bigger figures and, and all of these San Quins and all these Messy Marv, all these guys, right? And that, that era is kind of like spilling from the 90s all the way through the early 2000s, um, the hyphy movement, and then pff, there's no really... There's, there's, there's not anybody of like 
super relevance that kind of took a a new layer to that next level and and continued right so you got to think about like okay where's his mental space got to be and that's why i really respect him because i know what it's like to live and be from san francisco and not necessarily have that thing like an empire being as consistent as it is and getting national and international attention uh being a vehicle that you can parlay from right so this is just straight hustle this is straight uh innovation this is like him actually buying into the general idea that he can make it in music and create a lane of his own so awesome that he was able to do that and you know obviously right now uh empire is one of the biggest i guess you want to call it an independent label in the music industry so you got some legends that are there right now that essentially you know have figured out that um there's better business deals um, with your content. There's better business deals with your catalog, right? Um, and obviously right now in the Bay, I think we got some real, real hard hitters. And it's obviously, you know, I consider this being like one of the continuations of like a, a golden era, right? You have uh, Larry June, of course. You have um, Rex Life Raj. You have Little Bean. You have... Zay Bang, Remedy, who's also on the podcast. Um, uh, Lil Yee, Lil Pete, all these guys that kind of have, you know, are in the generation that I'm talking about. So, I mean, music is music is uh, is building in the Bay. And I think we're getting a lot more respect than we did before. Um, and then what I took from Ari's episode was... Being okay with tying into your passion, uh, being okay with tying into uh, a industry or just to generalize it, having faith in self. Um, that's what I really took from the episode. I thought that that was like one of the episodes where I really started to self-reflect, right? Because I know for a fact that every bone in, in, in Ari's body was pulling him to essentially make the decision and kind of like do what he's doing now because that was just who he wanted to be and that's who he is right so I, I know that's a super rewarding feeling and I know that you know that is that is a lesson that we all can take right because you know this podcast is about creating different means of just general communication lines so that we can learn from each other uh, that is one of the most important things that I've learned in the last year is you can learn so much from really any experience. It's just how open you're going to be. Being that, not saying that in a cliche way, but like it, it always makes me think about this uh, quote that 50 Cent says, like, you're going to be as rich as somebody that you talk to for no reason. And I used to always be like, what the hell is he talking about? I kind of understood it, but like now I really do. Because, you know, in the space that I am now working full time in, in the daytime as a, uh, in, in recruiting, you know, I'm talking to some really intelligent individuals um, that work in aerospace, right? So like 
the likelihood of me speaking to one of these people, I mean, obviously I'm an extrovert and I speak to random people every day, but the, the likelihood of me speaking and having direct conversation in regards to a specific field like aerospace and having to be on that learning curve and continue to get better day in and day out has created this curiosity within me to really understand how things are built and how they work. And that is the best thing that I could have taken from that episode and also what I'm parlaying parlaying into with my general experience now is that in order to build a successful system, in order to build a successful business, there has to be a level of competencies. Not meaning that you're not smart enough to do things, but you need to be detailed enough and have the right conversation and ask the right questions so you can extract the right information to set up a certain level of consistency. And we always say, if I would have known this now, or if I would have known that before, I would have done it, right? But you know now. So whatever you are like diving into, like really do the research. And if you can't really do the research, then you probably don't want to do it. And that is okay. It's totally fine. Um, But yeah, just learning from Ari in that episode to just completely indulge yourself and give everything you have and believe and have faith because sooner or later, people will be calling you the VP of marketing for one of the biggest independent labels in the world, really. Uh, they've, they got artists in like Nigeria, parts of Africa, parts of Europe, Asia, um, and you know, uh, Ghazi's doing an amazing job and I love it for the city. So that's that episode with Ari. If you haven't checked it out, please definitely listen to it. He is born and raised of San Francisco, California, and he's really part, proud of it. He's a product of SFUSD. And this, I'm just reading this off of his Instagram. I mean, obviously, he's, it's, it's, he's really serious about representing San Francisco because, you know, it's needed at that level. And I can appreciate that a lot. Um, third episode. Third episode is with Charmaine Hamp. Charmaine Hamp is a spiritual career life coach, and uh, she's based out of Los Angeles. And in a period of time when I was living in L.A., yeah, so I moved to L.A. in 2019. Um, At the time, I was working on premise with Diageo, uh, which is a beverage company. Uh, They own brands like Ciroc, Kettle One, Bullet, Tangeray. Uh, Captain Morgan, um, you know, all of the Kettle One, all the brands that you guys are familiar with if you are into drinking alcohol. Um, And that was a a hell of an experience. I think parlaying from, I think, yeah, that was like my second job out of college. And uh, that was a very interesting uh, experience. Really fun, though. I mean, obviously, living in L.A., um, just kind of just doing my thing, man. I mean, it was just like a, a very, like, exploratory time. And L.A. is a, a space where, you know, you can meet, you know, your next business partner. You can meet uh, good friends. And you can, you know, land in different opportunities just by walking down the street getting coffee. 
I mean, that it's just it's just where things are moving and shaking. And obviously, I extracted a whole bunch of relationships from L.A., um, you know, and you might get into that. I mean, I, I think that it will have some relevance um, in this season and, you know, kind of how, how things kind of went out there. But, yeah, I met Charmaine through a connection. Actually, Vince the Barber, who was actually on the podcast as well. Vince was cutting my hair, and we used to always have these conversations about life, conversations about business, balancing family, um, just kind of the real shit about being an entrepreneur and just, you know, trying to make it, right? Uh, Trying to strive, trying to, you know, essentially start something and continue to be a successful, well-rounded, mentally and spiritually healthy person. So he had went to uh, Charmaine, and he said that really helped him kind of put things in perspective um, when he was going through some of his, you know, uh, just life shit, right? Um, So met Charmaine, um, completely helped me change my perspective on different things, on, on how I look at life, right? How I look at the spiritual aspect of being a human being how I look at um, triumphs, how I look at uh, lessons, how I look at uh, difficulty in business, how I look at just things that will affect us uh, mentally and emotionally, right? Um, And what I could really say I took from that episode is just being a beaming light. And what I mean by that is I think that there's a general there's a general position where you take where you are in a bad mood or your energy is low. There's a general decision that you make to say, hey, this is how I want to feel. This is the feeling that is upon me, and I'm going to exude that. And learning about energy and learning how that transfers into different facets of your life and knowing that time is your most valuable resource, the reality is it will be more efficient to say, hey, I know that this is happening, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a positive that I can take out of this. Because, you know, if we really think about it, guys, I mean, 2020 was a piece of shit. Like, you know, we went through this period of time where nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Like, nobody knew the reality of, like, when we were going to open back up, how serious COVID was, if you were going to be employed, was your job going to get cut off within 6 to 12 months, was your industry going to even be relevant, right? So the things that we hold on to that are driving forces in our life We have to realize that sometimes we need to take a step back and be open to the fact that the thinking that we had and the brain fabric, these thoughts and connections that live within our thought process were fabricated, inputted into our minds by fear uh, through whatever we watch, who our parents are, who our close friends and family are, um, what we naturally fear. Um, whether that's passed down through epigenetics or whether it's just something that happened over time through something that you experienced from your adolescence and growing. And, you know, we got to make that constant decision to flip that switch because that's the difference. The difference between uh, 
and a lot what I'm learning about entrepreneurship and just being in business, the difference between one person and the other is just the attitude, right? Because that is the first step or the first pillar to kind of fixing like your processes yourself, right? You are trying to create something from your brain and encourage other people to work on your behalf for your dream, right? And their dream can live within your dream. And the reality is this is something that you are dedicating your life's work to or, you know, this may be something that you want to do on the side to just see if it can work. It can happen. You can make some money from it and create financial freedom for yourself. And, you know, the thing that lives, that's really true to any successful person is the way that they look at life and their attitude. Um, I'm just not quitting. I, I can think of, what I'm thinking right now is, uh, they asked Elon Musk, it was the interview that I was watching, and they asked him, well, you know, what if it doesn't work? You know, when he was launching his, uh, his rocket uh, with SpaceX, what if it doesn't work? And he was like, well, we'll do it again. And they were like, well, what if you run out of money? He was like, well, we're just not going to quit. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's just really what it comes down to. It's that simple, right? Just not quitting. Uh, being that beam of light that's just going to be uh, refuse to not let your will impact the positive things that are waiting for you on the other side of the difficulty. Um, and I think for this current year to year in my business, um, if I'm being completely honest, things have been really difficult. Um, they have been some trying times and, you know, obviously there's been some success is why we've been able to keep going. Um, but it's really tough getting to the deal table and, uh, realizing that, you know, the numbers don't pencil out. It's really tough uh, having uh, the culture be being challenged, right? Um, whatever. If, if anybody knows, like, you know, having a business is very difficult because you're dealing with personalities and you're also dealing with uh, parts of their personality being their ego, uh, um, whatever they come with, right? Their baggage, you know? Um, and then you're dealing with just like strict business guidelines. So it's threading that line and being able to communicate respectfully and uh, also turn that into results, which, you know, is kind of like how the sausage is made. Nobody really cares. They just want the results. But I think that the Charmaine episode really, you know, is always some episode that I listen back to because, I, you know, for me, I think about uh, the space that I was in when um, I, I recorded that episode with her. And I, I believe that was just one of the most uh, vulnerable spaces I was in life because I was pretty much starting a new business, had raised some seed capital and was like really going for it, like absolutely going for it every single day, 12, 15 hour days, literally sitting, staring at a screen um, and, you know, a lot of success came from that, a lot of relationships um, and just a, a ton of knowledge about 
real estate in general. So that I'm taking along with me. And, you know, hopefully this year, by God's grace, we're able to purchase some doors and uh, create some um, revenue um, for uh, future generations, being that, you know, I'm a new father now. And uh, we'll kind of talk about that once I get through some of the more episodes. Um, but for the Charmin episode, I, I believe that if you haven't listened to it, that is an episode where you really just need to just, just sit down somewhere quiet and listen to that one. Um, we talk about a lot of things that, you know, necessarily you wouldn't uh, kind of touch on if you're trying to stay surface level, right? Um, and a big part about entrepreneurship is understanding like yourself, your life path, understanding different facets of your personality trait, who and what and when you work the best, right? And that's just about self-knowledge and really what that comes down to is self-love. And that is a concept that I continually try to investigate um, because I think that we necessarily don't show enough self-love. And for me personally, I didn't really understand what the concept of that was. I just thought you worked yourself into oblivion and essentially results would come and that <laughs> that's what self-love is and was. So that's just something that I'm working through right now. And I know a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, have that balance where... Uh, they're trying to strike it, right? They're trying to strike that balance of like having self-love and then also still being able to perform at the highest level and not tying your self-worth um, to your business acclimate or your business success because life is short. Okay, um, fourth episode was with Ray Genio. Um, Ray, that's my dog. He is actually the gentleman that helped me just figure out how to, coordinate all of this stuff. Um, I met Ray in college. He's also from the Bay. We went out to St. John's together. I actually met him at the uh, information session that they had. You know, once you got accepted into the university, they had an information session at a hotel. Kind of tell you all about the university, what to expect, the X, Y, Z. So I met Ray and then we actually ended up being sweet mates, which was the craziest thing. So we was just locked in from day one. Um, and you know Ray is uh, Ray is a hustler too, man. I can remember like being a 21 year old kid in New York, in Queens. I mean Jamaica, Queens. So we talking about like if you ever been to New York, I mean nobody goes to Queens. No offense, man. Uh, it's just like it's just <laughs> it's just not it, bro. Like we in Jamaica, Queens. I think it was like uh, what was it? I, I don't even remember what the street was, but. Um, just being there and realizing like, oh, New York is, uh, it's not all what you see on TV, man. Um, and falling in love with the New York culture, being that I was a huge like uh, Puff fan, Jay-Z, Dipset, all of these guys that kind of like created that, you know, that flavor, um, that, that, that energy that, you know, exude confidence in, you know, an African-American male's life, right? So... I can remember Ray just like being in our dorm room and uh, we're the same age and, you know, we're all like trying to figure out how we're going to parlay our major into a job for like Ernest and Young or one of these like big four companies. 
um, or just like figure out how we can use this time in New York to network, to try to get a job at like, at the time I was like pursuing the music industry, like pretty heavy. Um, trying to get a job at one of these like marquee studios, make relationships and then parlay that into like an internship or entry level position and then build it up from there. So I just remember us sitting down and always having these conversations. And uh, Ray was like, man, because at the time he was working at Starbucks and he was like, man, I can't do this. I just can't operate like that. I have to go create income for myself. And, you know, I've done it before. I've thrown parties, X, Y, Z, blase, blase. And everybody's like, yo, cool, dude, like do it. I mean, it was a really a positive conversation. I remember it like it was yesterday. And um, Ray just started to film content, man. He just really started to go after it. Like he literally would bring us like Starbucks, whatever they was throwing out. And we would just be like eating on that shit during the week. And, you know, all of a sudden that stopped. And Ray was just like everywhere. He was in Soho. He was in different parts of Manhattan, Brooklyn, you know, everywhere, just filming content and making these connections. And he ended up opening up a really successful business, a really successful uh, production and marketing and uh, um, media company, essentially, that he had an office in Manhattan, you know, within five years. Um, and he's had several campaigns that have went viral um, in many ways than, than, than just one, um, being on all of these platforms. Um, so... And then also, when I was just living in L.A., Ray actually moved to L.A., which was really funny. So we linked up and we would just always be chopping it up about, like, um, what the next steps were um, in regards to just kind of trying to uh, network and make it out there. So I, I think that the thing that I took most importantly from Ray's episode was um, there is a certain level of consistency that lives um, within entrepreneurship that just has a special spirit, man. Um, it's, I can't even explain it, dude. Like, it is so awesome when you, <laughs> it's like, this is what it feels like. As an entrepreneur, it feels like you are climbing a mountain and you have, let's just say there were like eight tools, right? Um, and we can parallel those eight tools to like funding, uh, a team, um, time, uh, knowledge, you know, all of the things that you would need to be a successful business owner. Right. And on your way up on the mountain, you know, you're a quarter way up. Things are still going well. You are doing it. Everybody is noticing you. It is a remarkable and a very uh, noble thing that you're doing. Good for you. You're going out to business for yourself. Everybody's clapping for you. And everybody's standing at the bottom of the mountain just admiring you. You're feeling so good about yourself, right? Now you're 50% of the way up, okay? Two of those tools have dropped off and they're very critical for your speed to climb this mountain to the top because at the top of the mountain is your success being that you have money, whatever it is for you, right? Which is most of the time money because money just allots you time so that you can slow down life and do what the hell you want to do, right? So you're 50% of the way up. You lose two tools. Not the end of the world, but you got to go a little bit slower, 
Okay. So let's just say the, the team drops off a little bit and resources dwindle because you're spending money trying to get the team. And I'm just making this parallel so we can get an understanding here. Now you're 75% on the way up. You have lost six out of your eight tools. Okay. Now this is the grind. This is when the grind comes in and there is absolutely no hope for the general sane person. Okay. The general same person would say, yeah, this ain't it, um, next, right? The general same, this is like free solo, right? You know, like people that climb mountains with no equipment are adrenaline junkies and just have something different about their brain. And that is a lot about what I can tie to entrepreneurship. That's the best way that I can explain it. So there's a certain, there's a certain spirit that lives in a consistency because you respect it you know that this is something that this person grinded for. And yeah, there are some like trust fund kids that are just really smart, went to great school programs and just made the right decisions, invested here, invested there. And that's cool. I mean, not knocking them, right? Um, but there's nothing like a rewarding feeling of just completing something that you strived and really worked for. Because from your core, you can speak to this and say, yo, this is what I really did. Not like it was just handed to me, right? So there's a special spirit, and uh, I appreciate the consistency that you know Ray has, man. Um, I mean, what has it been like? Shit, it's been yeah, it's been ten years, you know, that he's been grinding and doing this thing and surviving and thriving and doing really well. So kudos to him. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's definitely a dope one. Um, I think it's one of the most listened ones as well, obviously, because he has a, a great following, too. So um, that episode with Ray just was awesome. Um, let's get to the next episode real quick. And I'm going to speed things up a little bit. Mm, let's see. Episode five. Ooh, this one was with uh, Remedy. Um Man, that one was a deep one for me, man. Um, I think, it, you know, what it really ties back to is uh, me and uh, Remedy, um, Timon, we have a lot of uh, connections because we went to a really small high school um, and we also played basketball together. And um, I think we, we shared the same love for the game, right, um, at an early age. And, you know, growing up in the inner city, there are certain things that kids, I mean, <laughs> the kids, whatever, nine to whatever, however, whatever age you want to, like, realize when you really get outside, there's things that happen that um, shape the rest of your life. And completely change your perspective on how things um, and how life isn't fair. Um, so I could think back to me and Timon being in Mr. Herrera's class. And I mentioned on the episode, Timon was a super intelligent dude. Everybody was really struggling with algebra for whatever reason. And Timon was just <laughs> so good at it. And he used to just be like going up to the board, teaching everybody stuff. And like, you know, we would just, you know, obviously copy off his paper and shit like that. But I mean, he was just like really smart and he always had the, the best grades. Um, he was really raw at basketball too. Like this dude was like 6'2", 6'3", our freshman, sophomore year, 
right? I mean, Duncan. I can remember that. So it was uh, it was an unfortunate event, uh, sophomore year, being that, you know, we're getting a little older, um, so we're not, like, too wet behind the ears and realizing that, you know, someone that we called a, a friend, uh, someone that, you know, a teammate was uh, shot. Um, and he possibly could walk again, possibly wouldn't. And, you know, one year seeing him walk and lead the team in scoring to the next him being in a wheelchair was like, that was a, that was a tough thing for us all. I mean, obviously really tough for him. I mean, can you imagine? You know what I mean? So the fact that he has fought through all of that and is still finding extreme success. I mean, if you listen to the episode, he'll he'll tell you. I mean, like he was he basically started to create content for other artists that was like really good, right? At the time, and it was consistent. And there was a different level of like uh there was just like everybody was just doing their rap thing, right? So he was able to like parlay that into like his own business and he's creating different opportunities for people, you know, from the community that, you know, necessarily wouldn't have had it if he wasn't around to this day. So man, the, the thing that I take from that episode, man, is um really appreciate uh the moment yeah really appreciate the moment um because we never really know what life is going to throw us and um you're always going to be thrown something to get through and having a a partner having someone that understands you on that level and is ready to ride just like how you're willing to ride and, you know, do things is important. Um, but, yeah, trusting the moment and uh, appreciating the moment because life will get you at some point, and that's just real shit. Um, and honestly, if I really think about uh some of the things that occurred after you know Timon's accident uh i think that shifted a ton of people's um involvement you know in in kind of the street shit and, and for him it wasn't even like he was involved in that way you know, I just think that really made it real for a lot of us. And uh, you never know how God is going to use you as a catalyst for someone else's journey. And that's just a funny thing about life. Um, but, yeah, that, that episode was a deep one, man. Oof, man, that one. I, I definitely shed a couple of tears, dude, like, just because it was just you at that tender age and you just think life is a joke. I mean, not a joke, but it's like you're a kid, so everything is fun. And then all of a sudden, this horrible thing happens, and you know, it uh, it affects you. I mean, to this day, I could just think back on how like horrible um, 
how horrible that was, man. Um, I remember we should just talk about like you know going D one and taking uh, Wallenberg to uh, New Heights and all this other shit, um, state championships, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that that one was a uh, it's really tough. But I, I'm so happy for uh, Timon and I. Uh, the, the title of the uh, the episode is uh, "Tragedy to Triumph." And that's just, that is some real, real shit. And anybody that listens to his music, you know that he puts his heart and soul into that. Um, and uh, he deserves everything. He deserves everything that is uh, positive that is coming for him. You know what I mean? Because he, he really puts in the work. He'll be on live creating a beat. He'll be in the gym working out. You know what I'm saying? Like, And this dude does not have, like, the functionality of a normal person, right? And uh, he doesn't make any excuses. So you gotta, you gotta respect that. That is a real man. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the next episode. Um, six, another deep one. Paul Arihara, um, the fan bam. I mean, Paul just has a phenomenal story, and uh, Paul's a great human being in general. Period. Um, being that, you know, at an early age, whenever you, in, whenever you experience pain at an early age, that literally, um, creates different walls and like, uh, different social, uh, barriers that, you know, you have to get over and basically it's a hurdle. And a lot of the times when you experience trauma as a child, that becomes like a open scar that then becomes like corroded with different layers so there's there's just a certain level of peeling back that it takes intense work you know uh for paul's story he was um adopted and essentially uh he was abused the whole time uh would that just be like on a macro level for just life with someone that is out there vulnerable or on a micro level where you go into these um, these homes, these uh, foster homes, and they don't treat the kids how they should be treated. And anybody that does that, man, is like, why are you like a foster parent that is just like bullshitting and, you know, knowing these kids have trauma and then creating more trauma? You're just a sick human being and you deserve to be like just fucking whatever the worst thing happened, burned alive, shot in the head. Or like not even shot in the head, that's too quick. Like just like shot in like a fleshy part of your body that just will like bleed out and be like excruciating pain. Because no one deserves that. If you just want to go get a check, um, I don't know, figure something out. Sue a company that you work for. Because the the amount of work that Paul expressed that he had to do to get past that um, is like really honorable. You know, and then having his own kid, being super involved, and then still having to work through shit is something that I really admire um, about him. And, you know, that was one of the first episodes that I've done with someone that I didn't specifically know. So that is, um, it was just that open vulnerability space and him being able to just go in there and share and then talk about how he parlayed and how the restaurant industry, you know, essentially just like created a means for him 
to lift himself up out out of that uh, that trap that he was in. Um, and you know, one the the thing that I take from that episode is um, obviously will and determination. Um, but yeah, I th- what I take from that is doing the work, doing the work, man. Um, and like I said, this year has been extreme. Well, not this year because we're in 2023, but 2022. Um, I guess I could say this year because I'm releasing it as a wrap up uh, for 2022. But like I say, for this year, man, it is. Uh, it has been extremely difficult. Um, uh, one recovering from like a really crazy leg injury. I tore my patella tendon. Uh, basically is the uh, tendon that ties your quad to your shin. So my when I tore it, my knee was basically in my thigh. Um, yeah, so I couldn't bend my leg for like six months. I was on crutches. I mean, excruciating pain at night. Um, so shout out to my girl, Emma. Um, she's been here uh, while I've been recovering. And obviously, I've been an active person my whole life, so it was really hard. Um, becoming a new father... Uh, moving back to San Francisco, uh, business trials, um, uh, personal, professional trials, and all these things that, you know, kind of just like make up life that essentially you have to deal with when they hit. Because now I am not just um, responsible for myself, I'm responsible for my family. So I know I set the expectation, not being that, you know, there's like something negative with that, but like I set the tone. Because I'm the leader, right? And leaders lead. And what that means to me is, like, you do it. (laughs) You just do it. And sometimes you will not have enough energy to pull yourself a step. And you just got to figure out a way. Um, So what I take from Paul's episode is, like, doing the work, man. Really doing the work. And you'll see that... Whenever you start doing the real work, good things start to happen. Um, but it's not easy. And the work really never stops. But there, everybody has that one, two, three, four things that uh, affect them so deeply that it's very hard for them to turn that switch on without being it flooding out. And, uh, yeah, um, there's there's many things that I had to, to work through as well in life. Um and that's just like, you know, the cards that you're dealt. But doing the work um, is very important, tying that into entrepreneurship, because there will be times where you have to reach somewhere deep. There may be times where, you know, things are going well and you still have to do some self-reflecting, right? So that's that's something that, you know, is the truth. It's just, The work just doesn't stop. And it's not like... If I'm being honest, like 20% of the work that I'm talking about um, is uh, it's not like completely uh, tiring or anything like that. Um, but 80% of it, you really see uh, immediate like results, right? Um, and that's like the fun part because, you know, you're exploring you're exploring parts of yourself that you didn't know, 
I mean, that's one of Drake's hardest lines that he says. He's like, he's like, it's time for me to explore parts of me that I didn't know. And that's like, man, that's like, that's what my, my brother calls the shadow work. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's that episode. Uh, moving on to the next one. Um, Nasir Chris, uh, powerful brother. Uh, actually met him through uh, Mutaba, who's also on the podcast as well. Which is funny. Like I'm making all these connections now. This is definitely a good example of networking horizontally. And uh, if you hear my dog shake or bark in the back, sorry. I mean, I'm just recording this podcast. What time is it right now? It's 11:41. Uh, uh, the baby didn't go to sleep until about I don't know, like 9:30, 10. So I mean, this this is just kind of the time that I have. And obviously, if the toilet flush or something like that, please excuse it. I mean, cause shit's still kind of going on around here. Um, but yeah, Nasir is powerful brother, man. Um, this guy has a real handle on, uh, venture capitalism. Uh, he is an associate, uh, venture, uh, at 68 Capital. And I, yes, he went through Venture for America. And, uh, I mean, you know, like dudes like Nasir, um, at the age that he's at, doing the things that he's doing. I mean, in a matter of like five to 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised if he had like one of these unicorn companies and he is like in Forbes. And uh, this is a guy you got to know, man, a guy that you got to know, respect and uh, learn from because um, he's in these rooms. He's talking to these people. He under, he's understanding how the money works and how it moves. And I can think it back to that conversation. We talked about some semi-deep stuff in regards to just like the general uh, African-American community um, and like how we can parlay our influence and power into different positions where we can start to make real decisions that will affect the next generation, right? Um, and um, I can't say that I know Nasir really well, um, but one thing I do know, he does know his shit. Um, every conversation that we've had, I've definitely taken away a ton of information that I didn't necessarily know. Had a, probably an idea, but I mean, this guy is like super sharp. Um, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet and you're interested about you know, how to receive funding, like seed rounding, series A, series B, how exits work, you know, how to pretty much structure your business, what's your product market fit, um, essentially like what is your, uh, what is like your market value? And I think those are important things, especially if you're building like a SaaS technology startup or something that has uh, the capability to change the way people transact or, or do things in their everyday life. Um, so if you have big ideas like that, um, or even like on a smaller scale, right? I think that episode is still dope because we talk about it, we get into it. Um, I think that the, the thing that I take from that episode, thing that I take from that episode is, um, Being open to learn. Um, I personally looked at that episode like, oh, this is 
some of the information that I have to retain so that the next level of my business and um, I guess the next level of like business life for me becomes a lot easier. Um, and being open, being open to learning from individuals that are in position to make a real uh, impact or change within like these moments of life that I'm experiencing in entrepreneurship are priceless, um, priceless. So having that relationship is um, is really dope because I can always ask him a question about the different spaces of uh, uh, venture capitalists that I don't necessarily understand that he studies every day. Like even to this day, he gave me three books to read, um, of which one I am almost finished with. And if you guys are interested, I'm going to share right now. Let me just open up my app uh, so that you all can uh, get that real quick. And then we'll go on to the next episode. Um, go to the library. And it's called Venture Deals. It's by uh, Brad Feld. Yeah, Jason uh, Mendelson. Um, so I think I have like 30 minutes left. And this book has pretty much give me a real look into what VCs look for. Um, and like, it just really comes down to just like the basics, how the numbers work out, how you should structure your funding, how you should communicate return on investment, how you should, um, plan. The most important thing is planning how you should plan your fundraising. Because, I mean, anybody really can fundraise. I mean, there's just different levels, right? You know, so you have, like, angel investors, you have mid-tier companies, and you have the big boys, like the uh, the Black Rocks, the KKRs, you know, the, the, the big wigs, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, so, thing that I could take from the episode is just learning, um, being open to learn. Because, I mean, if somebody has information, why wouldn't you use it? especially if they're willing to give you um, that just shut off the love. All right. Uh, next episode is... Hey, uh, cool thing about it. Okay, this episode was dope. Um, this was like a real city connection. Um, Lou John. Um, and y'all have to forgive me, man. Um... I think his name was. Look it up real fast. Armani, Lou John and Armani. I don't know Armani well. I think that was the first time me meeting him. So forgive me, brother. Um, yeah, um, Lou John. I met in I think fourth grade, and we went to school with each other all the way until I think eighth grade. So I mean, obviously we, we got tied in. Um, and, you know, they have a coffee brand that is 100% independent straight out of San Francisco um, and is bringing a new culture to, like, the coffee scene. Typically, with coffee, you think Starbucks, you think Phil's, you think Blue Bottle, something that's, like, super uh, stuffy and sophisticated. And they are making it really cool. And they're involving the sneaker culture. They're involving, you know, uh, quote-unquote pop culture. Um, 
and I, I just thought that that was like really uh, disruptive. Um, and it was like transformative to see two young African-American males producing their own or sourcing their own beans and then brewing it like independently, which is a, an awesome story that all of these news outlets should pick up on because, I mean, it's something different. Like people are tired of seeing the same thing. And when I tried the coffee, it was amazing. Um, and I know in our community, there's not a lot of people, and I may be wrong about this, but like growing up, like I didn't really feel like a lot of people in our community were just like, you know, on coffee like that. You know, um, especially not in my house. <laughs> it's like it just wasn't a thing like that. And then playing sports, it was encouraged for us not to drink coffee because, quote unquote, they said it can make you sh- like not grow or whatever it is. Like it's, it, it, uh, it, um, it basically like uh, produces some type of like hormone or something like in your body or some shit. So, um, but that episode was amazing, man. Um, the volume was like in and out on that episode, but most of that conversation was just kind of based on living within this um, framework or box that the city creates for African-American males in general. Um, And a lot of my people from the city, y'all notice, man, it's like um, tech came here and just kind of jumped over the community in general. Like, if you're from here and you work in tech, it's kind of, like, a big deal. Uh, just because, like, the culture growing up was, like, okay, the 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 top-paying jobs are, like, city jobs, which would that work for Muni or Park and Rex or something like that, right? And that was, like, the culture for a really long time. Anything outside of that was, like, sports or something that uh, really didn't have any, like... Uh, like entry level uh, positions. I think I could say it like that, right? So um, it is extremely difficult to be from a place that is the, let's just call it technology hub of the world, the Silicon Valley or being part of it uh, down here in San Francisco and not being able to afford to live here because you don't work in those spaces. And I think that there is a huge insensitivity to people that are attempting to recreate or restructure uh, their level of thinking, resources, and abilities. And a lot of the things that I'm learning in recruiting at this moment is uh, that resume matters, man. Um, that level of like uh, understanding to be able to take a question, a problem, or whatever it is from A to Z with detail can only be done really if you've done it and if you've been exposed to it, if you were around it. And a lot of these conversations aren't had in our community because people just don't know. Um, like I graduated high school in 2009, um, went to JUCO for basically three years trying to figure out life, figure out if I was going to hoop or not and being broke as hell. I mean, like (laughs) when Pell Grants, I think Pell Grant was like, what, I don't know, like 2,500 at the time. And I just remember being so excited about that. 
and now twenty five hundred is can't get you can't do nothing with that. But it's just like it's very funny how um, the insensitive insensitivity lives within uh, people that aren't from here about what happened to the people that are from here uh, with the implementation of like tech companies and all the capital that came into it. Now, when we look at it objectively, you, you can't make an excuse because if you live here um, and the opportunity is here, you just need to tap into whatever resource you have to kind of like get to that space. And I'm always open to having a conversation, always. So you got my Instagram. If you listen to podcasts, obviously you know how to get in contact with me. Just ask. And I will do whatever I got to do to uh, have the conversation about how you can parlay into one of these uh, tech roles or tech companies. Um, I think the most important thing that I took from that episode is teamwork. Um, seeing them continually uh, source their own product and to push it together, it's amazing. And the just like the physical representation of it being two young African-American males partnering up and doing their thing without any drama, um, and something positive and they're bringing everything about the culture into coffee is dope. And I think that it's similar to, it reminds me of, uh, like, uh, how certain individuals are bringing a culture into golf. It's like the same type of feeling, right? So it's dope. And, uh, I can really appreciate that episode and, you know, um, I wish that the volume came through better, but if you listen to that episode, I know you really banging with me. Um, and that was also, you know, one of the, uh, highest played, um, episodes as well, even though it was a little bit over two hours. Cause we were, we were, we were talking that talk. Um, episode nine, Vince, the barber, Vince is, uh, Vince is like the Steph Curry of barbering. <laughs> I mean, like this guy is just like the family guy. He is, um, just an amazing human being, dude. Like, it doesn't get any better than, like, Vince. And anybody that, like, knows him or been around him, um, they would say the same. I mean, this guy is such a genuine dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, Vince has been in rooms that people would die to be in and is still invited back to those rooms because he is consistent with who he is as a person. Um, and... I mean, and he's, like, super talented. I mean, if you've seen Devin Booker's fade, I mean, come on, bro. That's, like, that's probably, that is a top, that's, like, that's definitely, like, a top two, like, fade in general. I don't even think who's had a more buttery fade than Devin Booker. I'm really thinking right now because I'm trying to, like, have some contrast with it just so, like, it's an objective thought, not just more biased because I I loved his haircuts when he used to cut my hair. Um, can't think of it, but if I will, uh, you, we could chop it up on the side. Um, but in that episode, we kind of talk about Vince's discovery when he came from Canada all the way to L.A. and built his business from ground zero, having to cut hair and only get $7 per haircut at the time and to sell clothes that he's getting um, essentially sent to him by these brands that are up and coming and he's cutting for, and he's, he's a wonderful person to network horizontally, that networks horizontally because all the people that like, he's like referred me to, or like sent me when I have a question about who I should connect with, like these people he knows from Canada or early LA. Right. So 
<laughs> it's invaluable being able to network and then be consistent as a person um, who is essentially like respected for what they do. And yeah, I mean, Vince is, uh, he's doing a ton. Uh, he has a basically 360 like barber um, business essentially. So he cuts, he also sells supplies, and you know, he teaches. You know what I mean? And it's at a really high level. Like, he showed me some stuff, and, yeah, he's at very high level. Um, so you got to respect it. Um, and, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, it, it's kind of uh, – he's in this – Vince is in a space where, like, he is just, like, constantly, like, perfecting his craft perfecting 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 and still to this day he doesn't think of him being as like one of the best barbers around but look at his clientele and you can see why he is where he is because he has such a, a humble approach to how he handles things and how he deals with people um and he's really good about it and it's genuine it's not like <laughs> it's fake so shout out to him man um the thing that uh I took most from that episode. Um, the thing that I took most from that episode, the Vince episode, is um, being kind when you're on the way up. Well, when you're there, basically. Being kind when you're there. And understanding that humili humility lives in everyone. And people appreciate that. And, you know, that's why I appreciate Vince because when I walked into his barbershop, he could have been like, nah, go to XYZ because I cut LeBron or I cut Kit Cuddy. Like, I'm about to go hop on a flight to go do this private cut. Nah, Vince chopped it up with me. And uh, he was honest. He was like, yo, man, like, I really don't have any space, but let me see what I can do. And, you know, it just it just became, we built a, a, a cool friendship, um, reach out, check in on each other, which is dope, man. And I really appreciate him. So being humble when you're there, um, that's that's what I took from that episode. Um, I think we're, oh, excuse me, episode 10. So that's the final episode. And then we'll kind of get into where the podcast is going. I only wanted this podcast to be a little bit over an hour, so... I'm right on time. Uh, the 10th episode is Mutaba, uh, Mutaba El Guda. He is the director for player development um, for the Golden State Warriors. Let me just make sure I got that title right because uh, I want to make sure I'm doing that correctly. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's his title. I mean, I, I don't see it on his page, but I think he's the director and manager of player development for the Go to State Warriors. Obviously, this is a this is like the apple <laughs> of the NBA. I mean, this is the cream de la creme. This is productivity at the highest level. This is. This is this is like this is the dynasty. This is the golden era. 
I mean, Steph Curry is considerably one of the best players of all time. Um, I mean, can shoot that thing like no other. And I actually thought that that uh, that highlight of him or that that reel that played where he made like five random crazy ass shots. I thought that shit was real. Like I didn't even blink. Like I just thought it was like hella funny because obviously he's an alien. Um, but uh, Mutaba is a great dude. That's who I met Nasir through, um, and they're line brothers. They're both alphas. And uh, I met Mutaba, I think like five years ago now in Oakland when Diageo was doing an event with the Warriors. I think it was like a Christmas, I don't know, something like that. We did, some, I think it was a Thanksgiving thing. So I met him and we, we uh, when I was doing the on-premise thing, like he was like one of the partners that I would hit up and we would just go like hang out and like explore Oakland. Cause like being from San Francisco, didn't really go out to Oakland like that until I had the role where I had all of the East Bay. So we used to just go politic and it was, it, we had a good time, man. And we built a good relationship. And obviously, you know, I moved to L.A., so two years, and then now I'm back. So we've been able to kick it and, uh, you know, politic about, you know, different levels of life that we're trying to get to. Um, and, you know, he's shared with me how transformative his time has been with the Warriors because when he started with the Warriors, um, it was right after... I think he started. Yeah, he started off right after the first championship. And uh, um, there was just like a space and time, you know, within the last couple of years where the Warriors were considered to be done, like the dynasty was done. So the time that he expressed um, that existed when, you know, they were going through that building phase, it was like an imperfect, um, perfect storm where it became a thing where they were like, it was okay to make mistakes. It was okay for the young players to just like go out there and just try to figure it out because a lot of the key players were injured. They were kind of just trying to figure out things, right? Clay at Torres, ACL or Achilles, uh, Steph with, with the wrist. Um, and, you know, Andre, who I think was in Miami or Memphis, something like that. And it was just like a really, you know, it was like a really funny time, right? Um, the Warriors are at the bottom of the league. Jordan Poole was not the Jordan Poole of today in regards to the numbers generally. Um, but, I mean, obviously he's always like super talented. So um, I think that, you know, there's just been a certain things that have manifested from those times of him being able to just completely mold out his game, um, which those times in entrepreneurship are invaluable, right? Um, because it's kind of like a priceless thing when, you know, you're going through those first couple of years of like figuring things out, knowing what's this, what's that, and then you become an expert. And that really just comes with not quitting. Um, so like I've always, uh, uh, I've always admired Moo because of like the way that he is able to explain things like in detail. He is able to articulate at a level where it's like, all right, this dude really understands and really cares about like his level of involvement, um, which you know is dope, man. And having friends like that is awesome, especially like in a place like San Francisco where there's not many people that look like us. Is you know it's dope. Um, but that episode, I think the the thing that I that I take from him is. Um, uh, living and breathing culture. 
and you know creating a company creating a different means of income and ideas really comes down to building a culture um and that culture consists of consistency like i think one of the first times i kicked it with Moo recently like once i moved back to san francisco um he was on like this like player's diet like and it was just like intense you know from like just hearing it in that moment like he was just like it was certain times of the day he was eating he wasn't eating bread for like 90 days and like he was eating all these like keto snacks and like knew about all of these like hacks where he would eat like these cauliflower pizzas and Blase, blase, cut the alcohol out. But if you are going to drink alcohol, only drink tequila because it doesn't have the da, da, da. And I was just like, oh, wow, he's on next level. And then he's able to use the facility. So uses like the nutrition and the, uh, the, the trainers and all this other stuff. And, you know, I, I was like, yeah, man, that's really dope. Because like he looked like remarkably uh, like smaller than he did before, not in regards to just like uh, – like mass or anything, but just like he just looked more like he looked like he was been he'd been playing basketball. Anybody that plays basketball, you understand, like once you kinda get in basketball shape, there's a certain like elongation of like your body that happens, right? It's just the proportions get a lot they look a lot longer because there's less like fat on them. So like I was just like, yeah, I mean this is like super motivational. Obviously my legs fucked up so I couldn't really get out there to really fuck around. But um this is dope. Uh, and uh, in that episode as well, we talk about, like, some of his business ventures, and he's doing, like, extremely well. Super smart dude, super intelligent. Um, and it really comes back to, like, understanding who's in your network. And I'm pretty sure, working for five years for the Warriors, um, he's made some dope connections. Because, like I said, that is the apple of the NBA. There's a ton of successful people there. So you would assume that there are a ton of resources that if you're – are doing the right things and you're showing that you can be trusted uh, and uh, you're responsible, you can reap the benefits from that. So that's a wrap up for 2022, man. I mean, it was a ton of content. I think that, uh, you know, this show has just, I've learned so much from it. And I'm going to continue to dive into different entrepreneurs. And just to remind you guys, this show is about building, uh, networking horizontally and uh, essentially, um, Grabbing people's story on the way up. Yeah, that is, that's the point of all of this. Um, to kind of get into some more of the personal aspects of myself, and then we're going to wrap up the episode. Um, let's just start with becoming a father. Um, man, it is... Uh, it is... Uh, becoming a father has been the craziest thing that's ever happened to me in life. Um, it is the most honest space I have ever been in, which I didn't always look at as a positive thing. I got to be honest, man. Um, but... Those are the moments where real change is birth. And it's about understanding the level of responsibility that, you know, you have as a man when you bring life into this world. And it's not going to be easy. 
Um, and that's why, like, I'm really appreciative of my girl, my partner, business partner, whatever. Like, she's everything. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate her so much because without her um, and her consistency, uh, being a great mom, me having to uh, handle all this, I don't know, see how people do it on their own. So, like, great teammate. And uh, it inspires me to be better every day and uh, create different, you know, uh, facets of, like, uh, ease, you know, with this parenting thing. But, yeah, respect to all parents out there, man. Like, man, it's real. Um, But, you know, I kind of find it funny. Uh, So the CFO at uh, Astronis, a company that I'm working at now, before Cameron was born, we had like this talk by the, I don't know, coffee or whatever. And he was like, you know what I say kids is like? He's like, he's, or having kids is like, he was like, it's like the best and worst thing I've ever done in my life. And I just, I felt that to be like a statement. I was just like, come on, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Right? This is just like one of these in and out statements where, you know, you're kind of just like, left with a question mark over your head like it's funny but it's like I really don't understand what you're saying and then when I had a kid I knew exactly what he was talking about it's like the moment where it's like 4 27 a.m and you gotta be up at seven because you have a full day's worth of work to do and you have to change a diaper of a crying baby that most likely would not go back to sleep ah that's pain bro that's pain um, and you probably went to sleep at like 11 because it's like, you're on this two hour weird schedule and it's a lot, man. And then, you know, this little thing, this little person smiles at you. It's like the best thing ever. It's like you literally created this person, right? Um, my son's name is Cameron. He's 10 months old. Um, it's been such a blessing, uh, to have him in my life. It's created different, um, different uh levels of uh responsibility it's created different and what i mean by that is like he he's it i think for me it just it's i've done a lot of healing because you know necessarily my dad was not in my life majority of it because of just the circumstances and you know i'll probably get into that on another episode but uh it's i've done a lot of healing to get to a point where I can be vulnerable in the level of like in the in the in the general like arena of love, right? Being vulnerable that you know you don't suffer with like abandonment issues or you don't suffer with like self worth. So you're trying to fill a void in places where uh, we'll never love you back. Um, so it's. I don't know it's just it's just dope space because I feel like I'm constantly learning every single day, and uh, how I relate that to business is like yeah, um, PHM Paired Homes, my real estate company is like my baby. It was like the first thing that I was able to do really successfully uh, from my brain, um, and then it actually matriculated to dollars. So it was just like a dope feeling, you know. And this is like my baby, and I'm carrying it out. And then there are tough times, but it is the best and worst thing I've ever done. Shout out to Mike Mancini. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a funny thing. And 
I don't know, man. I'm just really excited about my son being um, being able to start walking and talking so we can start to have these conversations where I can teach him about self-love, self-worth, um, and give him all the things that, not give him, but like, yeah, essentially, like give him the things that he needs as a foundation for him to find himself in this world. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Um, talked about my leg injury already. Um, and uh, another thing that I want to touch about um, that's really helped me this year in entrepreneurship is therapy. Um, and I know like, you know, men in general, um, and I know men and women in my community um, do not take advantage of therapy. I mean, look, you can be having a horrible, horrible week, month, year, and have like one conversation with a therapist and reframe their rational thinking. Um, and then have some rational thinking that helps you as a human being. Because at the end of the day, it's like you're, you are a human being is like a, like a human being is like a furnace essentially. Maybe that's too, like, that's too much of a whatever, but think about it in general. Like if you being a high volume sports car or high quality sports car, excuse me, and you know, you have a choice to put 87 or 91 in your car. Let's just say 87 is like, oh, I'm just going to make it through. And then when I hit the wall, I'm not going to have any uh, resources to to decompress. I'm just going to basically just uh, run my shit down to nothing, right? My tires are balding. My engine light is on. And this car is going to be a piece of shit at some point. 89 is kind of take a break here and there, making sure you get your oils changed, um, but not necessarily doing all the things that, you know, you should do. Like to the outside world, you, you're holding it up, but it's in the inside you're kind of feeling like there's more that you can be doing. Um, and then 91 is the premium, is where you actually dedicate a part of your income to working on yourself, uh, doing things that, you didn't necessarily have um, a level of comfortability with, uh, i.e. being therapy. But I think the, the, the thing that I've really learned most from therapy is that uh, it is okay to not be perfect, which essentially means it's okay not to be okay, and it's okay to make mistakes. You do not have to be perfect. All humans are imperfect human beings striving to be the best version of themselves. But in order to do that, you got to do some of the things that aren't comfortable, like talk about some of the the dark things that have presented themselves to you in life. Because everybody goes through it, man. But these, this is a definitely a resource and definitely something in entrepreneurship that I, I, I have it as a must. Like once I scale out the company again, there will be a therapist and a career path like I don't know like some type of like guru on staff to where it's like the people that work for the company have a outlet you know I'm gonna provide that because it's it's, man it's like night and day like I tell you you can have a horrible day horrible year whatever it is have one conversation things change because you're 
opening up and you're like decompressing and you your thoughts flow better um your vibe your energy everything is better um yeah um but yeah that's that's a hell of a way to wrap up the episode uh hour 30 uh thanks for rocking with me um and uh this year we will be rolling out different things from a millennialpreneur network um me and my girl Emma are actually starting a show. I'm going to be entitled Millennial Parent. I think that's the one that we kind of agreed on because um, we're going to have essentially a YouTube channel that helps the millennial in every facet of their life. Um, and if you didn't know, in 2020, 2020, 2020 to 2021, the millennials became the biggest group um, of people on earth. And within the next two to five years, we will inherit the most money that any generation has because our parents were like the baby boomers and they were great savers. Um, and most of them um, did very well for themselves on average. So, oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, it's going to be a dope, exciting year. Um, definitely going to have some dope guests on here. I'm actually... Uh, I'm gonna be traveling. Uh, got a budget in place to travel and get some uh, some people on the podcast that I have relationships with since I moved back to San Francisco. Uh, but thank you for rocking me for season one. I'm so excited about season two and the rest of the journey. Um, and the wrap up for next year, I promise you, will be a wrap up. I'll probably be in uh, St. Bart's or something, overlooking the ocean, and you'll he- you'll hear some ocean waves. And I'll look at my phone. I just got a wire deposit for a property that closed in escrow. It's going to be really lovely. Cameron's going to be about two years old. He's going to be wanting to eat chicken nuggets and all the things that kids want to eat. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to try to figure out, like, what yacht I want to get on. <laughs> but thanks for hanging out with me, man. I appreciate you guys. Rumble, young man. Rumble.